Hello, and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Joe Lalo. And I'm Andrea Pearson. And we've got a return guest for you guys this week, Mark Leslie LaFave, author, speaker, podcaster, and director of business development at draft digital And Mark and Joanna Penn have recently collaborated, collaborate, oh my goodness, they've worked together, <laughs> please short words, to publish the relaxed author with the tagline, take the pressure off your art and enjoy the creative journey. And we're going to grill Mark today on whether that is really possible. <laughs> Art without pressure. Um, Mark, most of our listeners probably already know you, but how about telling us a little bit about yourself and what prompted you and Joanna to collaborate on this project? Yeah, of course. Uh, I've been, I uh, wanted to be a writer my entire life. So I, I started writing at the age of 14, uh, collecting hundreds of rejections, a really nice collection, to be quite honest. Um, one of the best rejection collections you'll ever find. I uh, eventually, I actually self-published uh, my very first book in um, 2004. My very first short story sold in 1992 uh, was the year I, I joined the book industry. But I did self-publish back before all the cool kids were doing it, uh, using uh, Ingram print-on-demand, etc. So I've been in the industry for a long, long time as a bookseller and a writer. So always been passionate about writing, really been passionate about books and helping authors. So my, my two sort of careers and paths merged. Now, I was on a Joe's uh, podcast. I should say Joanna, because we call Joseph Joe on this show, so I don't want to confuse people. <laughs> I was on, Joe hasn't on the podcast right now? Where is it? Uh, <clears throat> uh, I was on the Creative Pen podcast talking about uh, Wide for the Win, which came out earlier in uh, 2021. And we joked about yeah, how we don't really panic about the release dates and, 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 and having a giant launch and all that stuff. We just kind of, you know, write the book and work on the next thing and kind of, we were just very relaxed. And we joked about writing a book called The Relaxed Author. And I think I just joking about hanging out with us in a smoking jacket and in a lounge, just all relaxed, like Hugh Hefner kind of figure. And her, uh, her listeners re responded, uh, email and tweets saying, oh my God, I, I need that book. And, and Joe and I realized we needed that book because we are not, we're not relaxed authors. We're not. We try really, really hard to be relaxed authors, but there's so much that stresses us out. So we got together and decided to write the book um, to help ourselves, uh, you know, which is why I think a lot of the, you know, when, when you're doing nonfiction for writers, you're often going, this is the problem I had an issue with. I want to help other people with it. And so, yeah, we just collaborated and decided to, to write it. And then we did, um, uh, we, we did a survey. So we asked, uh, podcast listeners of, of Stark Reflections podcast and the Creative Pen podcast to, uh, answer a survey of what causes you stress and what do you recommend? And so based on the answers of the things that cause authors stress, uh, that helped us populate some of the content, uh, of the relaxed author. So we had our idea of what it was going to be and then, and then we just kept building upon it. So that was, um, um, and ironically, even though neither one of us had planned this book uh, to come out this year, we slipped it in between other projects and we didn't let it stress us out. 
Very good. Um, I know I just asked in our Six Figure Authors Facebook group, said, um, what are you guys struggling with right now? Because I thought, oh, this would be a good idea for a show. And I could tell there's a lot of stress happening. And, <laughs> you know, and I think we connect with a lot of that too. Um, so I guess we'll kind of jump into talking about the book and, and maybe some advice for our listeners. And you guys kind of broke it up into, I think, four sections, relaxed writing, relaxed publishing, relaxed marketing, relaxed business. So we're going to ask you, two or three questions from each section and hopefully there will be something that people can find useful and oh my god i didn't study and do my homework i hope i get good answers we sent you the questions in advance but i should warn you we added some extra ones because originally joanna was going to come on too and she's a little too busy so um, now mark has to do double duty and answer questions he doesn't even know are coming um, but so the first question is um, just, I, I know for myself when I'm writing a first draft, I really love having a daily word count goal. Like, and it's something that, that I have done since long before I published my first book and quit the day job, because I find it really easy just not to do anything if I don't kind of make it a habit and, and give myself a daily goal. But I feel like that doesn't work for everybody. And some people get stressed because they're told like, you have to write every day or you're not a real writer. So what do you guys think about that? Um, we, the approach we took was, uh, you've got to be comfortable with what you feel good about. Uh, a lot, a lot of this comes back to the reason you got into writing in the first place was because you were passionate about storytelling because you enjoyed the process. And so anything that takes you away from enjoying it, yes, there's hard work you have to do. And there's parts of the job that are not fun. I, I get that. That's always going to happen. But if you're forcing yourself to do something that's not comfortable. So Lindsay, if, if what motivates you is, is a word count and hitting the word count, and then you feel like you can check the list off, right? Check that off the list. That makes you feel good. For me, it's actually, um, uh, scheduling time to work on a particular project. Now, if I'm under deadline, that's different where I have to get the words done to get to my editor or to a publisher or whoever it's being published. Or in this case, I've got to get it to Joe. <laughs> so we can do the back and forth, but, um, yeah, I, th I think it's, it's, and it's sometimes different for different projects. So uh, NaNoWriMo, for example, I, I enjoy NaNoWriMo because I like the stress of having to write 1,667 words a day. For me, that's a lot. I know that's not a Lindsay Baroker. <laughs> Lindsay's like, yeah, I, I wrote those while you were talking, Mark. Like, like that's how, you know, there are fast writers and slow writers. Uh, and so recognizing what, um, what your pace is, 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 is really, really important rather than trying to put yourself in, uh, uh, I'll equate it to running. When, when I was first learning how to run, uh, one of the coaches that I had uh, suggested, if you can run at a pace where you can have a conversation with somebody and actually have a conversation, you've gotten to a point where that's a nice level for you. It's not like the uh, intermittent uh, speed bursts that you're going to do that are going to tire you out. And, and that's what I think about in, in, in writing is you get to, you get to something that's comfortable. Now you always have to push yourself. You always, I think it's important to always learn, always grow as a writer, but you know, in, in that writing pace, if you can get into a comfortable rhythm, of writing a particular number of words or writing at the same time of day, whatever works for you. Um, again, I think we're a bit open-ended, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to dictate. You have to do it this way. Uh, I think you guys picked up on that. And some of the questions I know that are coming, <laughs> what's more important is what works for you. Uh, and, and you kind of probably have the better answer because we aren't very prescriptive in the book in terms of saying thou must always do this. Yeah, we should probably turn these questions and just say, hey, Lindsay, let's have you answer them. 
<laughs> just kidding. Um, I'm, yeah, but kind I'm not, of, you know, we're all different. That's the thing. And yeah, I, I don't ever yeah. want to give the idea to our listeners that like, Hey, if you don't do it the way I do it, you're totally not going to make it. Cause that's not true. There's so many different yeah. routes to, uh, to find success. And that was one thing that I struggled with as a new writer was the whole word count goal. Everybody was like, you need to have a word count. If you don't get your word count in for the day, then you're, and I was like, that doesn't work for me. I just, and it took me a few years to get over the guilt of not being able to have a word count goal. And now I just, I schedule time, you know, and I'm like, and then, and then if I do 5,000 words instead of 2000, I mean, when, with my word count goals, I would be like, I hit 2000. I don't need to do more, but I want to do more, but I don't need to do more, but I want. So I was like, I just, free myself up to write however many I want. <laughs> anyway, Mark. <clears throat> okay. So I love that you guys under relaxed writing in this book, which by the way, our listeners really need to pick up. It is fantastic. It's, it covers everything like writing and publishing and marketing and how to approach these things in a way that will lead to less stress in your life, which is like, you guys wrote it for me basically. <laughs> but, um, I love that you mentioned writing a series, uh, writing a series in the same series, not just multiple ones has been a huge key to my success, especially with the chaotic life. Um, the freak, the advice frequently given is to write in a series because you'll make more money. Uh, I know several author authors though, who, who hate revisiting the same characters in the same locales, the same places and all of that over and over again. And doing so is very painful, boring to them and thinking about writing series instead of standalones causes them a great deal of stress. Um, okay. So first, what is the general advice that you guys were giving in the book? And, and you don't have to give all of it because they, the listeners need to actually read the book. But, um, and then second, what would you tell authors who just can't do it and are stressing over it a lot? <laughs> I'm going to say, Hey, give yourself, cut yourself some slack. So, so here, here's an interesting, interesting fact. So I've been, I've been advising authors for a long time, over a decade of, especially within self-publishing, uh, helping authors out. And I've long given the advice. Yeah. You know what? The best way to make really good money is to, to write in series. Most of the successful authors that I've been tracking and, and, and engaging with, they've written series. I, I, I never followed my own advice. I only started it last year and I went, Oh my God, that Mark kind of knows what he's talking about. You, Mark, you should listen to that Mark guy. So, uh, I didn't even follow my own advice, right? So that, that's an important thing to recognize. And not everyone who's out there sharing advice is good at paying attention, uh, as, as, as they are giving out the advice based on what they can observe. So that's something I, I realized about myself. But so I think, um, one of the things I like about writing in a series is it's like returning uh, to old friends, beloved friends you haven't seen in a long time. Oh, heck, seeing you guys, right? It's like, oh my God, we haven't chatted in a long time. It's We know one another. We want to get caught up. We want to see what you've been up to and what you've been working on. You know, before we started recording, Joe was just telling me about a book he just finished working on. I was like, well, wait, that's different from how you normally write. And 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 so that, when you when you write in a series and you return to those characters and universes, it's like a homecoming. It's like that warm feeling of, uh, and then maybe these characters that annoy you, and there's characters you love, and there's things that you know things that you just feel comfortable with. That can actually be a bomb. That can be a soothing thing for you, and that can remove some of the stress because you don't have to recreate the world. You don't have to recreate the characters. Like there's all of this extra work you don't have to do. And hey, that sounds like that's kind of relaxing for me. Now. The other thing about that is uh, if you're not comfortable writing in a series because 
you don't want to ruin what you set up. Like you really, this was such a perfect story. I don't know if I want to go back in and what if I'm, it's like a great recipe. Well, if I had too many other spices that could ruin things. So that can also cause you stress. So again, it comes back down to, um, I do know some writers who only write standalone because they they're done. Like I wrote this, I'm finished. I'm okay. I'm just going to write a standalone book. And if that, if that's what turns your crank, go for it. Uh, I think it's also important to be aware, uh, of realistic expectations, I think are important, right? So realistic expectations are, well, the call to action from the end of book one to book two is a lot tighter than the call to action of, oh my God, I love this writer and I want to read them again. But if you're not into it, if you're not passionate about it, and if you're not enjoying the process of creating this, um, then perhaps that's not the thing that you should really force yourself to do. Because uh, at the end of the day, I think Joanna and I took the standpoint, the long-term standpoint, and we're we're so disheartened to see so many writers who have talent and skill and and are building. We're building fan bases, and and many would just disappear because they burn themselves out because they tried to do things that they weren't comfortable doing and they couldn't keep it up and it wasn't a good pace for them or it wasn't a good whatever, uh, and and they lost the passion. Uh, which means the world lost something great when they stopped doing it. Um, and, and, and I, and I feel bad. It's like, like I mourn the loss of, of that because they were most of them. Uh, th there are those who probably thought it was just going to be a quick buck, but most, most people who, uh, you know, are probably listeners to this podcast or into writing, they, they got into writing because of a passion. They needed to tell stories. And so, um, that was a meandering. Uh, that was a meandering, uh, that was probably a story arc uh, series that went on too long, Andrea, is that right? No, it was perfect. <laughs> uh, on the subject of, uh, of burnout, uh, one of the things you talk about in the book is uh, scheduling time to refill the creative well and relax. And this is something I struggle with because particularly when sales are down, anytime I'm not at least poking at a current writing project, I'm freaking out that I'm not poking at a current writing project. Like I feel like I stepped off a treadmill and I'm just watching things move the other way. So <laughs> you talk a little bit about the value and how you, how you achieve the, uh, the mandatory relaxation to sort of get yourself to unwind. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great question because, um, you know, uh, for me, there are times where I just need to to not. Well, I don't think we can ever really turn off our writer brain. Part of what makes us who we are is we're always we're always absorbing and digesting, even if it's a subconscious thing. If it's not a conscious thing, where you have a notepad out, and you're making notes. But I think that's uh, that's a really important um, uh, element. Uh, for me, uh, appropriate breaks when I, I get to a certain point where I need to catch my breath or I need to cleanse my palate, maybe between types of writing or types of writing projects, like nonfiction, fiction, short stories, longer form, series, standalone, that kind of thing. That break or that difference can be like a break because you're doing something different. Uh, and, and that can be like a break. For some writers, though, um, taking a break, as you said, Joe, you're, you, you get off the treadmill and, and, and you're now stressed because you're not producing. Well, if it stresses you out to, to not work, don't do that to yourself. Give you, you know, give yourself a chance to say, okay. Um, and, and, and I, this is one of the ways I deal with, uh, you know, writer's block when I get frustrated and I, and I can't, I get to a point and I was like, I don't know where to go with this. I'm done. Um, I either back it out. One of the, the tricks that I use is I back it out and I have them make a different decision and see if that takes them a different spot or I just put it down and I work on something completely different. 
And somewhere often in the way our, our minds work, which is some weird mystical beast in many ways, somewhere um, it resolves itself and I come back to it. Um, and, and I think the same thing is true with relaxing. If relaxing is causing you stress <laughs> or taking a break or taking a breather is causing you stress, well, don't force yourself to, to do it just because you heard someone say, oh, I needed to take a vacation. If you, if you love working seven days a week, um, you know, and, and, and you're enjoying it and getting satisfaction and, and able to live a, a six figure author life off of it and everything's fine. Don't change it. Yeah. That's, that's a thing. Particularly like if you start off writing, uh, you know, as a hobby and then you start writing full time, like, Oh no, <laughs> what am I going to do as a hobby? <laughs> because I, I use that up as a, uh, as my job now. But, uh, so we're going to move on to the next section here, which will be uh, relaxed publishing. And uh, if if you've had enough success as an author, chances are you started getting approached by people interested in acquiring the rights for things like audiobooks or translations. And in the book, you talk about valuing your work and being cautious with the rights that you sign away. So could we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. And um, this goes back to some learning. Uh, actually, Joanna and I and Andrea was there in, in Vegas uh, with uh, Dean Wesley Smith and Christine Catherine Rush. They were talking about IP and licensing and just taking that that whole approach uh, to your work and recognizing the way you can divide and divide up all of your intellectual property uh, in different ways. And and I was just thinking that um, you still make a decision. Every, with every everything you write, you, you're the owner from, from the ground up. You've created it. You own it. Uh, you have the ability to self-publish it. Uh, you decide where it's going to be published, uh, how it's going to be published, what platforms it's going to be on, the price is set. Um, and then when you get to a certain point, some people may find it attractive to partner with you or, or want to give you money <laughs> for some of those assets. I think it's really, really important for authors to understand what they're giving up when they take money for something like that. Because yeah, if somebody wants to do an audiobook, well, that saves me, you know, three to five to six thousand uh, dollars. Or they want to do a, a German translation. Well, that saves me the ten to twelve thousand dollars that it's going to cost to do to do that effectively. And also potentially saves me the hassle of worrying about publishing and marketing it in another language or whatever the case may be. But what am I what am I getting for that benefit? It, it, it's kind of like you know, publishing direct versus a distributor or going with a publisher versus self-publishing. There's pros and cons. And I think it's really, really important. I want authors to be able to take the time to understand the decisions they're making and the business repercussions they have, but then also the creative repercussions they have. Because if you've given up, <clears throat> if you've given up your rights to characters you really, really love and you will enjoy writing them and you can't because you've signed that universe over to uh, a publisher you, you maybe have painted yourself into a corner i will talk for a moment and then if you want to clear your throat <laughs> like i go through that and have that happen when i'm talking i'm like oh, i need to clear my throat but i'm the person talking the most Thanks, I can't. <laughs> you're welcome um but i've i've learned i've learned that just some of my books will never sell no matter what i do they will never get downloaded like people will never purchase them basically. And, um, 
the way I've counteracted that is I've put a lot of those up as permafreeze wide, and I've put a bunch of them in Kindle Unlimited where people actually download them on KU where they wouldn't actually spend money to do it. Um, and I know both you and Joanne are huge supporters of publishing wide. Uh, in your book, you mentioned to publish wide or publish just in Kindle Unlimited. And I love what Joanna said about set it and forget it books, which are the ones that I just described. You know, those are books that will never make me money, but they're making me money indirectly by giving people a, you know, something free to download. Um, anyway, so with the goal of being a, a relaxed author in mind, what sort of approach do you recommend authors from all walks of life and at all levels of stress take when it comes to picking retailers? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I, I love that set it and forget it. Cause the thing that you've done with those projects uh, is, is it, it creates additional SEO for you and your brand and people to new ways for people to discover you where you're not really working hard at it, right? You're not, you're not aggressively marketing or any of those things. So yeah, Joe, Joanna and I are, are very much advocates for publishing wide and, and keeping all your options open and not being locked into anything because we know things can change in a heartbeat and, and that's can be scary. And that scares both of us having uh, uh, both of us having been in situations where uh, we've seen really negative consequences from that. Um, but I recognize that not everyone's the same and, and learning about all the retailers is hard. Amazon's the biggest retailer by far, right? The, the, the largest percentage of, of, of the share, particularly for eBooks and indie author books in particular. So uh, if it's less stressful for you to be exclusive to a platform or whatever, then, then don't, don't go wide just because you think it's going to be easier or more relaxing. Don't go wide because someone else said uh, you did it. Go wide for your own reasons. Understand why you're doing it and understand, I guess, understand the pros and cons. Um, and, and, and I'm always a fan of having a backup plan and, and the backup plan. It's not that hard. Let's say like the reality is you're not handing over one of your children for life and you're never going to see them again. It's 90 days, people. That's not the end of the world. And when you think long-term, 90 days is like that. It's not that big a deal. Um, and, and here's the great thing. Uh, and and, I, and this, this is from personal experience. Um, this goes back to um, a slogan from a used bookstore. Uh, they used books from Sudbury, Ontario, uh, where I grew up. And they had a little stamp they would put on the inside of their books. And it would say, a book you haven't read is a new book. Uh, and, I, and, I, and that, to me... Um, is what I love about indie authors and what I love about indie publishing is traditional publishing is all about the launch. And well, <laughs> I know it's the 30 day cliff on Amazon and all that stuff. Ironically, <laughs> authors are kind of trapped in the same loophole that, in, uh, that uh, trad publishers are, are trapped in, which is we care about the book only at launch and then we don't care about it anymore. And then we go on to the next project. And, and right, that's trad publishing. But the great thing about indie authors is there's, uh, you know, somebody discovers, and this this kind of leads back to your strategy, Andrea. Somebody discovers something you put up four years ago, made it free or, or whatever it was, and then they go and discover all the other wonderful things that you've created. And so you have these these works that are working for themselves in the background or working for your audience. Uh, I had a book I published in 2016. And it wasn't until I uh, started writing in a series and relaunched it with appropriate branding <laughs> from things that I learned that I realized that it didn't have to be a new book to sell way more in 2020 and 2021 than it sold in the entire previous four or five years when, when it had originally come out. And so 
if you make a mistake or you make a decision and you realize that it was an error or it didn't work out the way you originally planned, you know, 90 days for, you know, exclusivity from Amazon to publishing to another platform, or, you know, uh, it's, you can, you can rework the book. You can re-edit the book. You can remarket the book. You can retarget the book. You can recover the book. And I know Joe did that for her books. Uh, she did that for the, um, the first three novels that she wrote. Um, you know, she had targeted them for a certain audience and then realized that the original covers and the original titles were probably, missing the target audience but after she learned a bit more she went back and, and retargeted them and then found that the sales went up so um you make a mistake you try something different it's it's like you fall you get up again uh that's that's all there is to it so it's not really again we're not um we're not making life and death decisions here so <laughs> we can sometimes stress out about them as if we are because our books are our babies uh, but you know um the, we can we can work with them we can keep molding them that's the beautiful thing about when you own your own your uh, assets and still have control over them yeah and i think it's okay to always have that in your mind that it's okay to change like try i actually think that if you don't try both ways you'll never know you could have been way more successful wide and have never known it because you locked in with amazon or vice versa maybe whatever your books are catnip to the canal unlimited readers and you would never know it so I mean, if people are morally opposed to it, I'm certainly not going to push them, but it's like, you never know. You might want to try it someday, but again, there's no hurry. You can bring older books back to life. <laughs> well, uh, Lindsay, can I use an example from you? Um, you had uh, shared how you put up stuff on YouTube, your audiobooks, and And I, and I remember your very first uh, series of novels, like listening to the audiobooks. I know you're redoing them. Uh, I think uh, lately from, from what I understand, but then you put them up on YouTube and it was working really, really well until YouTube changed something. <laughs> right? But again, you didn't just stop and go, Oh my God, my world is over. You're like, Oh, okay. That was neat. It worked. Now it's not working anymore. I'm going to do something else. Right. You try something else. Right. And actually it still works fine for getting people to buy the later books in the series. They just said, uh, we're not going to monetize your, you know, yeah. you can't you're make making... money from these anymore. <laughs> you're making so too now... much money off these. Stop it. Yeah. So now <laughs> yeah. I have to like actually push people to, Oh, please go buy this. And here's all the stores where they're available. So, uh, but yeah, you have to, and I guess maybe that's a little bit where people can get stressed is realizing like things are always changing. So you have to be willing to pivot sometimes and change, but I don't know. I, I feel like, and I see you probably feel the same way that a lot of things that worked 10 years ago still work like the free book one, you know, writing good yeah. stories and <laughs> putting the best covers and blurbs as you can. So even though there's, there's new things you can try all the time, I don't feel like people need to feel pressured to try every new thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, trust me, even if you don't, uh, something will change and you'll have to. <laughs> right? so, well, your income plummets, maybe that's when <laughs> you have yeah. to try something new. Um, so the next section of your book is relaxed marketing. And I actually don't know, you guys would know since you did the survey, I feel like this is probably the most stressful thing for people. And I don't know yeah. if that's true, but after you've gotten some books out, getting them to sell, <laughs> you know, and there's so many things you can try. Yeah. And um, I know, uh, like uh, we talked before about this, uh, we just had Dave Chesson on and um, he talked about how there is actually a honeymoon period on Am Amazon where, you know, he did some experiments and saw that Amazon treats new releases favorably. So if something is going to take off, it's probably most likely to take off during that first few weeks. And I think a lot of us have seen that 
or in, heard it or intuitively kind of sensed it. And maybe that's why there's more pressure. Like I got to like get all my ducks in a row and lined up for the launch or I'm going to miss my best opportunity. But, you know, like I said, that's stressful for people <laughs> trying to get it all just dialed down and lined up and nothing ever goes exactly how you wanted. Um, but what do you guys think when it comes to, especially book launches? Well, I do agree with Dave. I mean, there's, there's definitely that pattern and there's definitely that likeliness, but likeliness is one thing, but then the impossible can happen. I'll think about the Queen's Gambit. When did that book come out? The seventies? <laughs> when did it become a bestseller? <laughs> right. So there, I, and I'm not saying that the exception proves the rule, but there are always weird exceptions and things like, like I said, you know, my Canadian werewolf novel sold way more four or five years later even on Amazon, <laughs> despite that. Now, that's not to say that it had I not done it properly the first time with a launch that maybe it could have done better out of the gate or, or whatever, but that's, um, that, that's one aspect to it. The, um, the marketing aspect, and, and this is the thing, uh, this, this is the thing that always frustrates me is people, and when they're trying to decide between self-publishing and traditional publishing, the big mistake they make is I'm going with the publisher because I don't want to do my marketing. And if I self-publish, I have to market. And if I, you know, if I go with the publisher, I'd never have to market. Well, no, uh, if your first name is Stephen and your last name is King or your initials are JK and your last name is Rowling, you don't have to do any marketing because there's a but gigantic machine behind you. But if you're anyone else, typically a, a name that's, uh, well, I know lots of six figure authors may even be looking at some who do really, really well, but they're not household names, right? They, they, they may not know, they may have heard of Brandon Sanderson, but they may not have heard of Lindsay Baroker. Lindsay doesn't care. She's happy. She's making good, <laughs> she's making good coin. It doesn't matter. They've heard of Lee Child, but they haven't heard of Mark Dawson. Uh, it, it, that gives me hope actually, because that means there's millions of more people who don't, that you can still reach that, that, that kid should buy your books because they'll, they'll enjoy them. But I think the, the mistake that we make is thinking a publisher is going to do all that marketing. It doesn't matter, you know, who publishes your book. You kind of have to do some of the marketing. And the most common question and the most common frustration that I've encountered over the years is, is stressing out over marketing. And one of the things that I think is useful for authors to consider is when you think about marketing, often it's probably the summer, uh, 2021. I know we're in the fall now, but oh, everyone has to be on, on, on TikTok so they can do book talk because then you'll sell a bazillion books. And, and there's always these trends that come and go. They're always going to be like that. What I think is more important is before you get to viral video status or before you get to that, have you taken the time to go right back down to the basics and understand who your reader is? Who are you writing this for? Again, I'm going to pick on Joe because when we were talking about this book that he wasn't planning on writing earlier, he wrote it specifically for one friend who wanted this kind of book. And Joe's like, yeah, I, I, I would like to write that book. And he wrote it for him. That's perfect. He knows exactly who he's writing it for. He's not thinking, I'm going to write this book and it's going to go viral and five bazillion people are going to are, are, are going to read it. He wrote it very, very targeted. And I think the mistake a lot of authors make is they're looking for the magic bullet in marketing and they're forgetting the most important aspect of all marketing is understanding who would love to read this book and understanding more about them. I often turn down clients who want to work one-on-one -on -one with me if they're not willing to let's before we get all fancy and try to do all these different marketing uh, tactics and things like that, 
do you understand who your target audience is? No, I, I can't help you until we, until, unless you're willing to work with me to, to nail that down. Um, and so I think a lot of the stress of marketing is worrying about the magic bullets and not worrying about who, who would benefit from reading your book. Uh, and I know that's boring. No one wants to hear that. That's the, that's the challenge. It's like, well, I want to lose weight. Uh, well, <laughs> exercise and diet are two of the keys to that. Are you willing to do either one of those or potentially a little bit of both? No, I'm not sure if I can help you. Uh, and it sounds mean when I say that, but then that just removes the stress on me <laughs> of realizing that it's never going to work. Uh, I mean, surgery, of course, surgery is another option, but that's expensive. <laughs> Not everyone can afford it. I'm rambling again. I feel myself rambling. I'll shut up for a second. Rambling is totally fine. <laughs> um, yeah, seriously, like a lot of people, they want, you know, the easy fix. They're not willing to diet and exercise. They want a pill they can take that will magically lose weight. And they feel the same way about marketing. And marketing becomes easier once you understand what you're working with, and especially who you're targeting. I mean, my, I used to target young adults who teenagers, and I just, I was always beating my head against the wall because I was like, my books are for young adults. Why, why is this so hard? And then I recognized, I mean, my, I mean, I read a couple studies and I pulled my readers and found that my readers are 55 year old women. And then marketing became way easier. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> like, Oh, they have money too. <laughs> well, you were open to, you were open to reinterpreting that based on data that you picked up as an author, which was also really, really important. And yeah. that's part of the marketing too, right? You were doing that an analysis and, and that's not fun. I, I think it's fun <laughs> well, yeah, well, for some So for me, it's not fun. Analysis isn't as fun, but, but that was, that was a really integral part of you really honing in on, Oh, okay. This is my audience. Interesting. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, just understanding your audience, huge, you know, it's, it's huge. Uh, and sometimes it's not like a complex audience. A lot of the times people are like, Oh, it's this just like, it's going to be people who wear brown coats and have black cats, you know, it's not that complex. It's usually a lot easier than that. So, <laughs> um, okay. So my question, um, what advice do you have when it comes to simplifying your author brand and website? Um, I, again, it's why are people going to your website? What are they looking for? And, and is it easy for them to get to that? right? Like there's so many different ways you can do it, but really why would somebody go to your website? They want to know a little bit more about you. Maybe, maybe there's something about you, more about your books and where they can, where they can get them. Maybe they're looking for director's commentary, kind of extra assets and neat things and maps to your worlds or, or, or Amazon A plus content, which I know you guys just talked to Dave about in uh, episode I just listened to, <laughs> but, uh, um, that kind of extra content, like they're going there for that. So think about this is the other thing is when you look at your website, try to think about it from the perspective of the person who finds you, what would they be looking for? Why? Why did they go to your website and then take it from that point of view rather than I'm an author and this is what I want to show you. <laughs> it's a little bit more like a guest is like, okay, welcome to my house. What would you like to see first? I want to take you to the bar, but maybe you really need to go to the bathroom, right? So like try and try and understand why they're there and what they need and take them to where, uh, where you think uh, based again, and that may be an, an analysis. Um, it doesn't have to be that fancy. It doesn't have to be that hard. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm obviously a fan of universal book links. So yeah, I could go and put a different button for all the different retailers. 
Or I can just put a single button up and not have to stress out about going and getting the right Apple logo because they changed it, you know, for the 15th time in the last three years. <laughs> so. All right. And that is Mark's plug for books to read.com. Go check them out. Can I tell your listeners something cool about, about that? Yes, go ahead. Analytics. Uh, on books to read is going to be expanded probably by the end of October is when it will be released. So you'll be able to see a lot better detail about where people are clicking. So that is fantastic news. I'm telling you guys this first, you have the exclusive, Oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll have to watch it. I I'm always kind of amused that actually I have like one in my Twitter profile because you only have room for like one link. It's been there for like five years. And I'm always surprised that, People actually click on it. It's the books to read. Here's my free book. So, hey, I guess Twitter possibly helps. No promises. And you don't have to do it if you find Twitter stressful. (laughs) Just so people know. You don't have to tweet. Um, But what are kind of the bare minimum things for people who are overwhelmed by the marketing? Like what should they do at the least in 2021 to try to have some success with their books? At the very least... um... Take a look at the platforms. Understand a little. You don't have to be a. Uh, you don't have to be a Dave Chesson or an Alex Newton when it comes to the platforms and understanding in, in detail. That's why we have these wonderful people. We can we can kind of listen to them on your podcast and learn a little bit more. Or check out the great resources they make available. But check out the check out the platforms and see what they're all about. You know, Joanna really likes Twitter. She enjoys Twitter. Not, not, not so much into Facebook or any of the other platforms. So that's where she spends her time. She has fun. She engages. She enjoys it. So it's almost like going to some event out of obligation versus going to an event that you're going to enjoy and just really, really just not relax into it, but just really have a good time with it. And for me, social media is, uh, or, or the online and digital platforms are, a place to engage as a real and authentic person or not a place to learn a place to share a place to entertain and a place to inspire. I always go back to, to the old um, sort of uh, mantra or thought that people tend to buy things from people they know, like, and admire or respect or, or, or whatever. And so if there is a way that you can engage in an authentic way as part of a community and be part of that community, rather than the jackass who's thrusting his book in everyone's face and whether they want it or not. Uh, I, I think I was listening to Hugh Howey recently talk on, um, on um, career author podcasts and he was talking to Jay Thorne and, and he talked about the, the fact that when he, and when he wrote a book, Oh no, sorry, this was, Oh my God, I was listening to him recently. He was, this is great in, a great interview, but it was an interview I did with him back in 2014, like ancient history uh, when I was working at Kobo. And he talked about the fact that when he didn't talk about his books, people were more intrigued because they're like, what are you holding back from me? What, what, this must be good if you're keeping it a secret. And it was that sort of, not the mysteriousness, but it was almost like not playing hard to get, but it was almost like that. Well, okay, it's here. Get the book over here if you want it, but I'm not going to thrust it in your face. If you're interested, you'll come check it out. And for, for me, a lot of online, my website or social media is more about, guess what? Like, I know you guys were, were, were 
counting the skulls in the background uh, on the video, uh, there's actually about 26 skulls in the room. You can only see a half dozen right away, along with Barnaby. That's just part of my brand. Uh, not not the guy who does the books for writers, but the guy who writes ghost stories and and and, and urban fantasy and, and and stuff like that and horror. Um, but that's part of the brand that I put out in social media. And the perfect example is because I collect skulls and skeletons and I'm big into dad jokes and stupid ear musical earworms. Most people, when they see something like that, they think of me and they tag me or they share it on my Facebook page or, or whatever. And, and it may be a skeleton joke or meme that I've seen a thousand times, but it doesn't matter because what's important to me when it comes to that is they thought of, they saw a skeleton, they saw a cool Halloween decoration, or they saw whatever. At this time of year, it's a lot easier to, to see those things. Whereas this is the only time of year I fit in and seem normal because everyone else is decorating the way I decorate all year. But someone saw something like that and thought of me. And that's the kind that's not necessarily, I'm not saying everyone go get skulls and stuff like that, but whatever your brand is with Lindsay, it's probably dragons, right? Someone saw a cool dragon thing and thought of Lindsay. That's what you want. You want them to think about you. And, and then they may connect that to your books because then they're like, well, who's this Mark guy? Well, he's got these true ghost story books or he has you know, a werewolf series or he has whatever. That's the kind of stuff that I think is more important is that, uh, again, I've never been a, I've never been a pushy salesperson. Uh, the only reason I got into book selling is because it's the product I believe in. I can't sell things I don't believe in. I believe in books more than anything, almost. Um, and and so that's something uh, that uh, is has always been uh, easy for me. Uh, I I can't actually sell my own books, but I can sell other people's books because I can, I can I can talk about how much I loved someone else's book with with more authenticity and integrity than if I go, oh, I'm really proud of this book <laughs> that I wrote. So it's, it's, it's a lot easier for me to do that. So, so again, when it comes to social media and it comes to all of those, uh, all of those elements, I think when you're a part of it with enthusiasm and passion, people will be able to tell if you're real or you're just putting on a fake persona to try to, um, to try to look like something. Um, and when you do that, it's a lot of work because you know what? Making up lies and stuff and trying to be consistent. That's hard. That's really, really hard. Yeah. It's funny how often I'll, I follow a lot of folks on, on Twitter. Twitter is where I am most active. And it's funny how often I will classify someone I know like, yeah, that person's an author. That's the author that shares all the cookie recipes. Like, you know, like that's just sort of what sticks in my head, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it, it helps when it's authentic because you tend to have a deeper well to go to for that sort of thing when it's actually what you're interested in. Yeah. Like Diane Capri on Twitter, she loves travel. You get a sense, you get a real sense of that, right? Um, not necessarily related to her books, but that's part of her, that's part of her thing. And, and I, and I think people enjoy that. So when you see the, the, the author sharing cooking, Yep. That's something that feels natural, right? For sure. Uh, so we're going to move on. The next section is going to be relaxed business. And uh, it's easy as an author to get tunnel vision on the moment-to-moment -moment challenges of being an author. Like we were talking about the 30-day cliff and all that. Between meeting deadlines and stressing over sales, uh, I know I've been hyper-focused in the next few weeks. Uh, I haven't always been thinking about the next few years, you know? So you talk a bit in the book about focusing on a long term. Like what sort of stuff should we be keeping in mind for the long haul? <laughs> 
Uh, great question. I mean, thinking long-term is so hard, right? Especially when you're in the moment and you're in the heat and you're like, well, how am I going to pay the mortgage this month <laughs> or whatever, right? That It's hard. So I, I recognize that. But um, I guess because I've been in the business for a long, long time from the, from a pure business standpoint and a pure uh, understanding the, the waves of, of what's popular, what's not, what's popular, what's not, you know, vampires are hot. Now they're not. Now they're hot. Now they're hot. Now sparkly vampires are hot. Now they're not. It's constantly going to change. You know, uh, election years are notoriously bad for book sales. <laughs> People are more focused on other things than reading. September is always bad, but bet you everyone's dashboards was a little bit lower in September than the previous months. And maybe not, maybe not everyone, maybe there, there was a weird exception for you. But I think when we focus too much on, on those, uh, the trends and don't look at the bigger picture, uh, I think the longer you've been around, um, even if you're not able to produce a lot and continue to put out a catalog, obviously when you have more content available, once the right people find your stuff, you sometimes see these, even when you're not doing marketing, you sometimes see these little spikes and go, whoa, someone just bought every one of my books in this genre or this series. You can tell, but you can't tell for sure because you're never really sure, but you can do a, a Dave Chesson kind of an analytics and go, well, this kind of suggests this based on the patterns I've seen. And so with long-term, I, I look at um, I look at the times of things I did 10 or 12 years ago that turn around uh, and, and lead to something positive today. I look at, again, I'll, I'll use Hugh Howie as an example. Wool is coming out from Apple TV and AMC. You know, when I was hanging out with him in 2012 through 14, 15, you know, Ridley Scott had optioned that. It was, you know, he had just signed a, a print-only deal with Simon & Schuster. <clears throat> it's 2021 now. Had he been stressing out every single day about whether or not Wool was going to be made into a movie, he probably would have driven himself mad. Um, a lot, a lot of things take a long time. A uh, mutual friend of ours, Kevin J. Anderson, you know, uh, the, the the new Dune movie is being made. Right? When was the first Dune movie made? Seventies, late eighties, or early eighties? Like, like way back, way back when. Now he's been writing the Dune books with um, uh, Brian Herbert, Frank Herbert's son. And, and they've been working really, really hard for, for decades, creating a ton of, of books to, to give people who love the Dune universe, like extra stories to enjoy. Uh, Kevin is a very hardworking author, obviously, but you know, when the movie actually releases shortly, I bet you all that work he did for all those years is going to come back to haunt him in a positive way. Um, in probably in, in, in ways that he can't even imagine right now. But I think, um, I don't know. I just think it's hard to think long-term, but if you go back and look back five years and look back 10 years, count your accomplishments, count the number of readers that reached out to you, even if it was just one here and one there that reached out to you and said how much they really enjoyed or appreciated something that you wrote. Those are the things that um, they can sustain you in the long run when you're having a bad day and you're like, oh my God, you know, I'm at the end of September and my September sales aren't nearly as good as my August sales. Um, your, your, your content is still out there. It's still available on various platforms and various ways for people to discover. And, um, you know, if you're trying to imagine yourself a year out looking back on it, what's that going to, what's that, how's that going to feel? Is it going to be as, uh, are you going to remember, well, are you going to remember the stress that you had on sub September 29th, 2021, because, wow, my sales went down 20%. <laughs> 
I love positive hauntings, by the way. <laughs> positive hauntings. It's like a ghost that tells jokes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to actually read from the book the quote that I was going to see if I could have Joanna give as in the podcast because it was super powerful. When I read that, I was like, that is, that's huge. Um, and I'm just directly from the book, if that's okay. It says, as Elizabeth Gilbert says in Big Magic, there's no dishonor in having a job. What is dishonorable is scaring away your creativity by demanding that it pay for your entire existence. You can always make your art on the side of your bread and butter job. And for my last question, I don't know. This just hit me so hard because, you know, like I would love to be able to work hard enough and have enough, have my books do well enough where my husband doesn't have to have to have a job, you know, but I love I mean, we have other side ventures that I enjoy sometimes more than making money on books, if that makes sense. Like I love writing, but sometimes I don't necessarily want to make a whole ton of money on writing because that would mean it would become a job. And it has been a job in the past right now. It's not, I'm raising three little kids, you know, but I, I, the joy that I get from writing now is just, sometimes it's just more important to me than having writing be my full-time income, you know, my full-time thing. Um, but I would just, I'd love to hear more about what you hit on when it comes to this, like continuing working a day job and writing. Um, I love that you guys mentioned the fact that so many people are focusing on quality on quitting their day jobs and that that doesn't have to be the goal. Um, so would you re- elaborate on that? Um, and basically how does removing the goal of quitting a day job help an author be more relaxed? Great question, Andrew. And I'm so glad you read that quote because that is such a powerful one because, you know, maybe the dream is you love it so much that you want to do it full time. And, and that's great if that's your dream. But sometimes having the stability of, you know, your husband's job, for example, or those other things you still enjoy doing that aren't writing. People, why, why stress yourself out to try to get rid of something that you're enjoying? Why stress yourself out to get rid of something that you can rely on and depend upon? Um, nobody said you had to be a full-time author in order to call yourself a successful author. You call yourself a successful author if you are personally getting satisfaction because then it doesn't matter what money is coming in. If you're personally enjoying it, you've already won. The money is bonus, <laughs> right? Then the other thing too is, uh, and this, and this helps me a lot. Um, I tried, I left uh, the corporate world because I thought I would write full time. Well, I found out that if I had too much time on my hands, I was less productive. I was just all over the place. I was a mess. It wasn't until I started to work part-time for draft to digital that I recognized, okay, I'm working 20 hours a week. Now I've only got 20 ish hours to do my writing and all the other stuff. How am I going to make the best use of that time? And it was like when I was working full-time 60 hours a week, I got up early and I wrote, you know, for an hour in the morning before I got, got up and went to work and I found I was more productive the less time I had. And it helped me. It actually helped me be a better writer because I was more focused rather than go, well, I got four hours today. Whoa, I guess I watched cat videos or whatever. Or, or look at me, I made a new TikTok instead of writing something. Like it doesn't matter. Uh, so I think sometimes having those pressures or, or other other things to do can help focus in uh, your writing in a different way. But nobody said you have to be you have to be a full-time author and you have to be making all your money from writing in order to be successful. Um, you maybe told yourself that, but why, why are you, why are you telling yourself things that are causing you more anxiety? Uh, I, I really, I really think we as authors don't spend enough time cutting ourselves some slack. Um, and that's something I really hope people uh, get 
you know, out of the relaxed author is cut yourself some slack for God's sakes, remind yourself why you came to this in the first place. And if you're not enjoying it, what are you doing to yourself? You, would you do that to someone you loved and cared about? Why do it to yourself? Kind of um, going along with that or maybe opposing it, uh, for the people who are actually having some success and they're maybe making as much as they, from their writing now as from their day job, there's like another big question, like, should I quit the day job and write full time? And I feel like there's a lot of stress. I, I was lucky. I was kind of doing my own thing anyway, and I could just kind of transition gradually and start making more of the income here. Like it's really stressful to say, I'm going to go in and quit the job. Like my, if it's your one source of income besides the writing that you, you and your family might rely on. Um, or do you have any thoughts for people like when to know, is it time? Should you do it? Anything to help transition <laughs> to uh, becoming an author business instead of a, you know, W2 employee somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Just know that there's no one way of doing it, right? There's, there's only the way that that works for you once you've actually spent some time figuring it out. So that could be what I do like to recommend that people consider is um, put something aside so that if things go wrong, you have a bit of a buffer. So that, you know, Murphy's Law, things won't always work out the way you plan, right? What is it, the uh, the old uh, the old Yiddish saying that uh, men plan and God laughs? Something like that. Um, you know, have the buffer. Uh, I think Joe and I were talking about that buffer, right? You get a little bit of a buffer with your writing schedule and working with your editor and all that stuff. Um, uh, Joanna Penn, uh, for example, she, she, she was ahead of our schedule on writing Relaxed Authors. She ended up getting COVID and it took her out for two weeks. So... Um, that was not a plan, but had she been just tight to deadline, that might have messed uh, messed up the schedule a little bit. Um, same thing uh, with with your plan uh, for for full time, if that is your goal, and that's something that you think is going to be valuable. Maybe you have something that you can depend on: a spouse, secondary job, part time work, um, uh, fund where you can know that you, you, you're not going to be worrying about paying the mortgage or, or have putting food on the table or any of the, any of the other extracurricular activities that, you know, allow you to have an enjoyable life. Um, yeah, there's no one answer, but, um, but I, I do like to have some sort of backup if at all possible. I think that removes a bit of stress. Yeah, and I like that you brought up, or I guess that quote from the book brought up the idea that it is going to be different if you're suddenly relying on what was your hobby and your source of like getting away from stress and all of a sudden it has to pay the mortgage. So I guess that's something people should keep in mind. Like, I guess you have to know what kind of person you are and if you're going to be fine with that. Like, cause some people are like, yeah, this is great. This is my dream. You know, I just get to write stories for a living, no pressure. And other people are like, well, I had success on this one series, but what if the next one bombs and, or if it's not as good. <laughs> so yeah. And I, I don't even know what to tell people. I guess you kind of have to figure that out for yourself. Yeah. Figure it out for yourself, but also be patient with yourself while you're figuring it out. You know, if you haven't figured it out right away, that's okay too. It'll, it'll come eventually or not. <laughs> worrying about it's not going to make any difference is it? all right cool and I you seem, can always I seem so chill and i'm not i'm not really that chill i'm very i'm very full of anxiety <laughs> well and then it is good to know that if you're a writer too you have that skill and if you need to you can start writing some nonfiction books on the side you know <laughs> to take all the things you've learned and and some that might be less stressful it could uh, be, yeah. so. 
lots of things you can do with your writing skills. That's right. All right. Well, to wrap things up, you know, I know that you're kind of see a lot of working at Drafted Digital, a lot of things that are coming down the pipeline. You see a lot of what authors are doing. And I guess my last question is just, what do you think the future holds for authors? What can we do to be ready for it? without worrying too much about the AIs taking over our jobs and pumping out all the books on Amazon and there's no room left for us. Yeah, this is a good I mean, note to end on. Great note to end <laughs> on. And, and, and I kind of wish uh, Joanna was with us because, you know, she is the futurist among us and, and loves to think about those things. But I mean, I have long said that the future of publishing will be more collaborative and I still stand to that regardless of what AI technology or any of those things that come out, the technology is a tool that we use to do the thing that we believe we were meant to do, which is to be storytellers, which is to, is to share stories, which is to write. And whether that's uh, writing prose the way that we're doing it now, whether it's dictating prose the way, you know, Kevin J. Anderson writes, whether it's oral storytelling, whether it's eBooks, whether it's print books, whether it's any of the formats to come, what you're focusing on is how can I continue to share stories that people are going to resonate and that are going to, and when I say stories, it could be nonfiction, but you know, fiction, nonfiction, whatever it is, that's going to inspire, entertain and inform people. And the technology is a tool. Uh, there's an old quote that I love to, uh, so Mitch Joel, uh, six pixels of uh, separation. He's celebrating his 800th, podcast episode, probably one of the longest running podcasts I've ever listened to. And he always said, and he said this when the ebook came out, is everything is with, not instead of. You embrace the new. He's a digital marketing strategist, so obviously he's always embracing the new. But it adds to, it doesn't take away. You know, vinyl didn't disappear just because um, MP3s are popular or CDs or whatever. And the same thing is true the story is never going to go away, whether it's Netflix or some other Disney plus or any other platform, whether it's books that people read in print or ebook or listen to an audiobook format, writers are necessary. Writers are needed. And the thing that we do nourishes the soul, heart and mind. And that's the thing to focus on as the new technologies come along. So figure out ways to embrace it and figure out ways that you can leverage it. And remember that uh, we're all not in competition with one another as much as we are in competition with all of the things that take people away from the stories that, that kind of move our lives. So be prepared to collaborate with the AIs is what I'm hearing. That, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, the, the resistance is futile. <laughs> you will be assimilated. You're going to see the little Tesla bot, and what Amazon's got a new one that follows people around the house. Just, <laughs> on Joanna's podcast, probably she'll have them both cruising around in the background, <laughs> beaming stuff into her head. <laughs> this is what she gets for not coming on the show. Can, That's right. We can imagine that. We can tease her. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Mark, for joining us today. Do you have any final advice for authors to want to be relaxed and, and not stressed out? Yeah. In, in, in all honesty, um, think about what you're passionate about. Think about what you're comfortable with and don't let anyone else dictate what makes you relaxed, uh, what makes you comfortable and what makes you feel successful. All right, cool. And remind people where they can find you online and pick up the book. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, I go to the creativepen.com. You'll find a link for the relaxed author where you can get the ebook or any of the versions of the book, audio, print, etc., directly from Joanna. Uh, you can go to bookstoread.com slash the relaxed author and find it on the favorite retailer of your choice. Uh, again, the creativepen.com for Joanna Penn or markleslie.ca for, uh, for more of me and my skulls and dad jokes. You, you get your but, cut no matter what, right? <laughs> I, oh, yeah, of course. Because again, yeah, we were we're friendly collaborators. And Mark, you didn't put your last name in your website. <laughs> uh, no, because then that n- not a single person would have been able to find it yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard one to spell. I finally memorized it. <laughs> yeah, the only reason the only reason I had to write nonfiction books for writers under the name is because most people in the book industry knew me as Mark Lefebvre. Mark Leslie had been the brand I had been curating as a writer. And I'm like, oh, crap. Now I've got six books out under Mark Leslie Lefebvre. <laughs> oh, thank God people can spell pen. <laughs> <laughs> she does have the best name for an she author. <laughs> I, for the longest time, I just assumed it was a uh, pen name. Pen, yeah. who pen name, yes. <laughs> pen for a pen name. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's everything, guys. And listeners, thank you for listening. And thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. You can find the show notes or leave a comment question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. And uh, check out the creative pen or marklesley.com to get the book, The Relaxed Author, and all of their books. Dot .ca. Yeah, dot .com is some really rich guy who's in the high-tech industry. American dude probably like sniped it from you. <laughs> the rich guy. MarkLeslie.ca. Okay, go there, guys. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Have a good week. See you all later. So long, everybody. <laughs>